You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, good morning, Harvest, and Happy New Year. And as you're taking your seat right now, uh, you can turn to Psalm 73. That's where we're going to be here this morning. And with this being the first weekend uh, together as a church, uh, it would make sense that we start the year off by assessing where our hearts are at. You have a chance to do that yet? All right, we're what, four days into January now? And, uh, you know, so many of us, we make New Year's resolutions, and a lot of those are, you know, around, I'm going to try and lose weight, and, you know, I'm going to work out like crazy this year, for sure, I'm not going to quit, right? And some of those, those are fine, those are good, uh, but let's be honest, where our hearts at spiritually, the health of our hearts, uh, is what's most important, and hopefully that's what you're the most fired up about here. Now, I love uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I love that verse. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and it really speaks to the importance of, of monitoring and guarding uh, our hearts. Because right? giving into sin and, and not dealing with that properly, it causes us spiritual damage. You realize that? It causes spiritual damage. And what the Bible calls uh, hard-heartedness. Now, there are a lot of ways that our, our hearts can get hard. And maybe for you, um, it's just that your, your attitude's been brutal lately, right? It's, it's been bad. You, you know, you've been just super irritable and giving into anger and, and just kind of generally miserable at home and in the workplace and, and kind of carrying that with you constantly. And, and it's causing your heart to harden. Maybe for you, it's that you've been treating others badly, You've come, for whatever reason, disillusioned with people. You're like, man, I'm kind of just sick of this. And maybe your tone has become kind of harsh and, and biting. And you're just, you know, you're snapping at people all the time. That's a hard heart. Maybe for you, you've, just been, you've been giving into sin lately. Maybe the last couple of months, the last year hasn't been so good. And sin that you once had the upper hand on, you've been giving it in, into it time and time again. And maybe for you, it's, it's gotten to the point of addictions. And I don't even know how to get out of this now. And, and I feel like I'm just spinning my tires here. And you know, how do I get to the point where my heart is, is soft? Maybe for you, you've, you've just lost the joy of the Lord. Or you've lost it. What about the good old days when I used to have that? And I loved being at church. I loved reading my Bible and praying and seeking the Lord and being with God's people and all those kinds of things. And, and now I just, I don't have much conviction for that. And, and I'm just kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of dull and, and all of that. You're apathetic. You don't, you don't care about the things that you used to care about. That's a hardening heart. Maybe for you, it's even worse than all of that. And for you, someone has legitimately sinned against you. They've wronged you. It was sinful. And now what you're left dealing with is the broken pieces of all of that. And, and, and dealing with unforgiveness and resentment towards them and, and bitterness. And I just want revenge. And I want, I want them to feel what I feel. Right? It's a hard heart. And all of these, to varying degrees, right? These are evidence of a that our heart has grown cold. And maybe for you, you know, deep down, you, you, you want to be in a better place, right? You recognize that and you want to you be there. You want a spiritually healthy and soft heart. But, but if you're being honest with yourself here this morning, I hope you are, you realize, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just not there, right? I'm really, I'm really not. 
And so how can, how can I, how can we get unstuck from this position of, of hard-heartedness? What do I do when my heart is hard? That's the question that we're going to be tackling here today and this morning. Try and get back to the place where we're fired up again, where we're excited about the things of the Lord, where we just want to be near him all the time, not keeping him at arm's length, not trying to just do our own thing. I want to be near the Lord and soft-hearted. You know, I thought it might be good for us here this morning, just before we pray, if that's you and you know you're, you're in a bad spot, your heart is hard, it would be a really great thing if you just raise your hand right now. Not one of like the little mini raises, but like just up there. We're not, we're not judging you, just being honest before your church family, before your God. Is that, if that's you, just put your hand up. Don't be afraid. You know, I'm, I'm not in a good spot. Right on, I appreciate that. I'd love to pray for you right now as we get into this and we look at this great text. God, we come before you recognizing that our hearts harden. Lord, this is something that everybody who knows Jesus Christ deals with. Lord, we get caught up in the cares of the world. We get, we get all mixed up in thinking the wrong things. And, and we think we, we should have something that we don't have or whatever, God. And our hearts get bitter. Or some of us have been, been hurt by somebody. And we're dealing with the pain and the brokenness of all of that. But Lord, our heart is hard from it. Lord, I pray that, that today you would reach into our lives and soften us, Lord, that you would make us new. Lord, we've just been singing about that. God, make us new. Make us more like Christ. Soften what was once hard. Lord, thank you for these people that humbly just admitted that they're not in the best place. We want to start this year off right. We got to, want to get it moving in the right direction. So God, would you have mercy on us, Lord? God, by your spirit, fall on this room. Do the work in our hearts that we cannot possibly do. To you be the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I love uh, Psalm 73. It's such a good one. And uh, it was written by a guy named Asaph. You've heard of this guy before? Right? He actually wrote 12 of the Psalms. He wrote a lot more of the Bible than, than a lot of people, actually. He wrote a lot of it. Now, who was he? Well, he was, uh, he was actually a young priest. He was from the tribe of Levi. And, and when he was young and David was king and he was young, David made him kind of the overseer of all music and worship. Right, so kind of think of him as like the Chris Summers of all of Israel. Right? Kind, of a, kind of a huge role that he had. And so he as a young guy and David as a young guy, they would have grown up together. And, and, and Asaph served in that role, leading worship in charge of that. He would have been a really gifted guy. Uh, King David uh, passed away. Solomon came into the scene. And, and, and Asaph was, was in charge of that all through uh, his tenure as well, right to the end of that. Now you can imagine... Okay, you can imagine that Asaph would have seen a lot. Would have seen a lot. He saw, he saw Israel in its glory years, in its heyday, under, under David, where worship was, was clicking. Worship was on fire. It was amazing. I mean, we know the heart that David had for worship. But then what happened when Solomon came into the picture? Right? He started off pretty good, a lot of promise, for sure. Uh, but he ended, what? Horribly. Right, terribly hard-hearted, and he became a wicked, evil man. Can you imagine being Asaph in charge of worship and seeing Israel go in that direction? You can just imagine how, how he would have been wrestling with frustration and all of that. And this psalm is so great because it kind of it talks about some of his story and where his heart was at as he went through that, and he saw some of the ugly things that he saw in the life of Israel and the bitterness that he had about it and how his heart 
uh, got hard, and it's really a great map for all of us as we're struggling with the same things. As we've got our hearts in a bad spot, we want to figure out how do we get out of this? How do we get to a, to a good place? Well, it shows us that, and we're going to go through this now, and you've got your outlines already there. Here's the first thing. This is what I do when my heart is hard. It's to look up. We've got to look up because God is good. Okay, now that's something that we seem to really easily forget whenever we get hard-hearted. We forget about the goodness of God. Okay, but take a look at verse 1 here as we go through this. This is Asaph's writing. He, said, he says, truly God is good. Right, truly God is good to Israel, right, to his people. Now right beside that word Israel, you might want to just write me. Right, write your name. God, truly God is good to me. He's good to you. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that here this morning? That God is good and he is good to you. Listen, so much of our hard-heartedness and our bad attitude and our unforgiveness, whatever the issue might be for you that's causing you all of that, it comes, comes down to the fact that we don't truly believe on a heart level that God is good. Maybe like, what? I know that God is good. Yeah, a lot of us know that on kind of like a Sunday school answer type of a way. We know the right answers. Anyone says God is good, we're going to add our amen to that. You know, when we sing about it, we've got our hands raised and all of that. I'm not saying we know nothing about it, but deep down, when our heart is hard, we often, it's because we, we, we truly don't believe that God is as good as he says he is. Deep down, we doubt his goodness and we question it. We often think that God owes us something more than we have, right? And, and he's not good until we get that thing we think we need. And so we doubt him. Listen, God's already good. He's already good. He always has been. He always will be. And he's proved it time and time again. We know that the ultimate example of his goodness is what? It's the cross. It's the cross. He sent his son, Jesus. He spared no expense to pursue you. He gave us the greatest thing in the universe. That was his son. Did we deserve it? No, we did not. We didn't. But he did it as a way to bridge the gap between God and man so we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could know him. God is so good. He is infinitely good. We will never exhaust how good the Lord is. And he's got that goodness aimed at us all the time. And the first step to reviving a hard heart is to to get our eyes off of ourselves. Our eyes get so inward focused, don't they? Off of ourselves. Look up, right? Look at the Lord. Get your eyes on him. And you might be like, well, it sounds kind of nice, but, but practically speaking, what does that look like? Right? Like, how do, I, how do I do that? Get my eyes on the Lord. It's not something I can physically see. So there's some practical things that we can do. Well, there's probably a lot. Uh, but one thing I would say is, is your heart is hard. You're trying to figure out how to like, get, jumpstart this is, is just play to your strengths. Play to your strengths. Do what comes naturally to you. Maybe like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, some of you are, are really good... This. Some of you are really good readers. Okay, you're really good readers, and, and you just tear through books, and you're constantly reading your Bible, and you're reading chapter and, and book after book after book, and that's something that comes naturally to you. Well, do that. Seek the Lord. Look up by getting into Scripture and reading it. You know, some of you, like reading, that doesn't come naturally at all. You know, like, that's kind of a challenge to me, but maybe you like praying, and, and prayer is, is a strength for you. Well, get praying. 
ask the Lord, spend some time. God, soften this heart. I know that it's not in a good spot. I know that it's not where it needs to be. Would you do a work in me? So one of the things I really like to do whenever I sense that my, uh, my spiritual walk is dry is I like to just like, go on a walk around my neighborhood. Like how great of an old man am I going to make? I right? just love going on walks right, and praying and seeking the Lord. And, and for some reason, I don't know why it works, but just, it's, a, it's a strength. And for some reason, I get out, I'm walking, I'm able to kind of untie the knots in my mind. I'm able to cry out to the Lord, and it works out uh, pretty well for me that way. Some of you, you know, you like, you like writing poetry or you like writing music or listening to worship music or journaling or something like that. Okay, the point is find something that easily reconnects you to the Lord and do that. Right, just do that. Now, you got to start somewhere, right? Not saying that that one thing is probably the only thing you need to do, but it's a start, right? Take one step ahead and you'd be surprised at how quickly the Lord will have mercy on you how quickly the Lord will start to change your heart and do a great work in your life. All right, here's the second thing that I need to do when I've got a hard heart. I need to wise up. I need to wise up. My perspective is warped. Perspective is warped. Look, hard-heartedness, it, it warps our sense of reality. You realize that? It does. It warps our sense of reality. You know, we, we assume that, you know, we're in the right to be so upset. You know, and we, we savor the bad attitude and, and we justify the anger that we've got. And we think that it's, that it's fine. We, we play the victim and we, we hang on to the pain when, when we could just forgive and move on and get to a place of health. Now, listen, if you've been victimized, I'm not saying that what the person did to you is no big deal, right? It is, and it's sin, and that needs to be dealt with for sure, but you gotta take care of yourself. You can't control them, right? And your responsibility is, is for you to respond. The onus is on you, regardless of the reasons your heart's hard, regardless of the circumstances of your life that you think is causing all of that. Okay, we need to wise up. We need to own our part here if we ever want to change. Right? Do you want to change? Then we need to face what's wrong with us. Okay, just check, check out verse 1 again. Okay, it says, truly God is good to Israel. We read that. It says, to those who are pure in heart. To those who are pure in heart. So, so there's blessing here that we can receive as Christ followers when our heart is in the right place, when our heart is soft. Okay, but then verse 2, he says, but as for me, all right, so he's saying here, my heart wasn't soft. It was in a bad place. And then he describes how bad it really got. He says, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. They nearly slipped. He's basically saying the hardness of my heart almost destroyed me. Do you understand the gravity? What's really at stake here when your heart is hard? Do you get that? It has the power to, to ruin your walk with the Lord. It has the power to ruin relationships that you have. It has the power to destroy your effectiveness in ministry. Right? Hard heart is very serious business. We absolutely need to take it seriously. And then for Asaph, here's the reason that his heart got hard here. Maybe this is some of you. Verse 3, he says, For I was what? I was envious. Right? I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Okay, so Asaph's problem 
It was that he started comparing himself to what other people had, specifically to what the world around him had. Sound familiar to you at all? You ever get like that? You ever compare yourself to what you know, your, your friends or people in the workplace or even people at church here have? You know, man, I, I wish I had that person's life. You know, why is their marriage uh, so good? You know, why their kids have it all together? What's with all the income that they have that they seem to be able to play with? I don't have all of that. Why is my life such a mess? Get that envy. You realize how, how much that, that warps your heart, right? It, it, it messes it up. You become so ungrateful. You're not thinking about the Lord at all. Become moody, up and down constantly. There's no stability there. There's no peace. You become a pain to be around. People are putting up with you right now, but they don't like being with you. That's the way it goes. Just look at the way that Asaph's envy plays out here. Verse 4. He says, For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. And then verse 5. You kind of like vision him whining here. He's like, They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Maybe that was my lame attempt at whining. He's like, they don't, they don't deal with the, the same kind of problems and pain that I'm dealing with. And, I, and I'm, I'm following God here. What's, what's up with that? I, I mean, is there some truth in that? That the outside world doesn't have the same kind of problems that we have? Yeah, yeah, there's some truth in that for sure. I mean, and they're not dealing with like the nitty gritty heart issues that are so vile that, that we're trying to deal with. Right? They're not. They're not facing that kind of stuff at all. They're just giving into it and all that. That's easy. We're dealing with the hard stuff. When God sanctifies us, when God works in our life to change us, that's hard work. That's difficult. And absolutely, that's what the Lord was doing in Asaph's life through all of this stuff that he was going through. He was trying to change him, but he wasn't looking at it like that. Right? And he's upset and he's looking at the outside world. He's like, man, they just sit back and they enjoy life and they eat the good food and they just get fat. That's what he wanted. That's not really what we want, do we? Right? But back in that day, getting big and fat, that was a sign of prosperity and wealth and the good life and eating rich food and all that kind of thing. He's like, man, that sounds, that sounds pretty good to me. Right? He keeps going like that, kind of complaining all through verse 9. Now jump down to, uh, to verse 10 there. Verse 10 says, therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. So Asaph, he's even looking out at God's people and and he's noticing that they're starting to turn away. They're starting to chase after the world's ideals. He's like, man, what's up with that? They're just giving into the world system. They want a piece of it. And it culminates here with verse 11. Take a look. Then they say, how can God know? How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? You sense, sense there the, the, the arrogance, right? They're just, they're shaking their fist at the Lord. It's like they're daring him. Like, what, is, what do you know, God? You don't know what's up. You don't know what the right way to go is. I'm going to do my own thing here. And you definitely get the feeling here that that discouragement is starting to affect Asaph as well. His perspective. He sees the world defying the Lord and now he's watching Israel do the same thing. I mean, people that he has led in worship for years. Families bail on the Lord. And, and, and he's discouraged by it. He's down. He's bummed. 
And, and he's kind of like just, ugh, right? This mixture of, of frustration and, and disappointment and, you know, discouragement, all of it coming together. You ever been to that place? You ever been there? It feels pretty dark, doesn't it? It's not, it's not a good place to be. I mean, a hard heart is, is tough enough to deal with, but then you add discouragement to the mix, right? It can feel so hopeless sometimes. It can feel pointless. It can be, it can be maddening. Like, where do I go from here? And when you get to that place, you can even start doubting that, that God's, God knows what he's doing at all, right? Is he, is he listening to me? Does he have a game plan here? Is he, is he doing anything? I mean, is he even there? Right? That's the question I'm, I'm wrestling with. Listen, in those moments, if you, if you don't recognize that, that your perspective is warped, it will eventually eat away at your ability to think straight and be rational. Right? It will. Pretty soon you're going to start seeing everything in just a, a super negative light all the time. And you're going to be super pessimistic and everything's going to be unrealistic in your mind. And you're going to be super skewed and let's be honest, unchristlike. And I'm sure we all know somebody who's like that. Somebody who's got getting towards the end of their life and they're just so bitter and they're crusty and they're, they complain about everything. Or maybe it's somebody in your family or a neighbor and you're like, why are they so miserable all the time? Because they've got a faulty perspective here, and it's years of giving into that, and it's just made them miserable, and they don't even see it, and they're starting to drag everyone else down with it. And if you don't believe me that that's how it can get if we're not careful, just look again at how this unfolds for Asaph here, starting in verse 12. Just look at the way, the distorted way he's looking at things. It says, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. Really? Really? Always in ease. Is it true that, that the wicked never have a bad day? Is that true? No. No, that's not true at all. He's not thinking straight here. Right? He, he's becoming obsessed with his, his point of view. And he's got this unrealistic view of the kind of life that these people lead. Now keep going. It gets, it gets worse. This is insane. Look at this. Verse 13. It says, all in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's like, my whole walk with the Lord so far, my pursuit of holiness, my pursuit of keeping my heart clean and pure and soft, all of it, waste of time. All in vain have I done these things. Can you believe that? It's worthless. That's what he thinks. Then verse 14, I wish I could say he was done. For all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. Every morning. Really, Asaph? Right? Is, is it really that bad? You know, it might be kind of bad. I mean, maybe he does have people coming to him in the mornings and they're rebuking him and they're on his case and they're making life difficult. I get that. Maybe, it's, maybe it is somewhat hard for sure. But no doubt he's exaggerating here. I mean, you catch that, right? He's getting more and more extreme the harder his heart gets. That's what happens to us. Just lose our grip on reality here. I think about your own attitude, your own perspective lately. How's it been? 
You ever been like Asaph? I know I have, right? I'll admit it. I've been like Asaph before. You know, I've let envy and, and, and discouragement and bitterness and anger, all of that creep in. And pretty soon I was comparing myself to others or miserable about something that was stupid and like dumb. Like I didn't need to be upset about that. I'm just off. And when we get like that, it's, it's pride and selfishness that needs to be repented of. You understand that, right? You understand that your sin needs to be repented of. You need to confess it to the Lord. Repentance just means I used to be going this way. I used to be doing my own thing. I was living for myself. I was caught up in sin. Repentance pictures the 180 degree turnaround, walking in the other direction towards the Lord, towards purity, towards holiness. We need to repent of our sin. Don't just think it's going to go away on its own. It doesn't, okay? It's not something you're just going to get over. It's not like a cold that eventually, yeah, I've got it for a few days, a couple weeks maybe, and then it's gone. I just need to ride this out. Okay, that's not, what, that's not the solution to a hard heart. We've got to wise up here. We've got to own the problem. We've got to realize this is my problem. This isn't someone else's. I need to deal with this before the Lord now, before it gets worse. Before it gets worse. Just humbly admit it. I have distorted reality. I'm not thinking straight here. The way I'm thinking doesn't line up with what's true. And I'm sinning. And my sin is affecting me greatly. It's affecting my relationship with the Lord. It's affecting other people. People that I'm close to. People that I love. Something's got to change. That's really the next thing to do here. When I've got a hard heart. And that's step up. Right? Time to step up actually make some changes. We got to make some changes. Now, the good news about having a hard heart, you ready for the good news? The good news is that it doesn't have to stay that way. Okay, change is possible. More than possible, that's what God wants. Right, God is in the business of radically changing hearts. Right, that's his fastball. That's what he loves to do in your life. He wants to change your heart. But here's the, here's the thing, though. That change for you, that happens within the, within the context of your relationship with Christ. It happens within the context of relationship. Okay, all healthy relationships, they involve multiple parties putting forth effort. Okay, just picture a marriage here for a second. Picture a marriage where you know, the wife kind of does everything. She's taking care of the finances. Maybe she's got a job. She's also taking care of the kids. And, and the husband, after he comes home from work, he's kind of lays on the couch and you know, he never asks... Uh, what, uh, you know, how's it going with his wife? He never wants to chip in. He never wants to do anything. How good do you think that marriage is going to be? Yeah, probably not very good. Okay, so the same thing with you. If you want to change in your walk with the Lord, it involves you actually doing something about it. All right, I, used to, I used to pray a lot as a young man. I, God, God, change me. God, I know there's like A, B, and C, not right with my life. I know that it's not good. I know that my heart's hard. God, would you just do it? Right? And in my mind, the approach I was having at it was kind of, kind of passive. Like I expected the Lord just to do it all. You know, and I would just kind of keep doing the same things, falling into the same traps, allowing temptation to overwhelm me every single time. What's going on, Lord? Well, maybe I needed to do something about it. I need to make a couple of my own changes. God's not just going to magically do it all yourself. 
with no involvement from you. I mean, let's be honest, though. Let's understand. There's no doubt that God's the one that changes our heart. Right? Can I change my motives? Can I, can I change the anger into something else that's real and lasting? No, I cannot. None of us can. We need him to do that work by his grace, by the Holy Spirit, to sanctify us and change us. But you better believe we have a role to play in all that. We're not inactive bystanders in our sanctification. Very much active in all of that. Okay, just take a look at verse 16 here. We start to see the turning point in Asaph's life here. His heart goes from hard to soft. He says, but then I thought how to understand this. And it seemed to me a wearisome task. He's like, when I, when I tried to figure all this out on my own, I just got tired. But I just felt overwhelmed. Right? I, I didn't know where to go on from there. I'm weary. Right? That's what happens when we try to fix our own mess. You ever try to do that? Well, try and just put on a smile and fix my bad attitude. Right? How well does that work? <clears throat> right? It doesn't. We, and we're just going to get frustrated. We're going to get more upset and more annoyed and maybe angry and hard-hearted and all of it. We try to fix our own mess. Okay, but then look at this, verse 17. It said, it seemed like a wearisome task until I went. Where'd he go? Into the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. You got to highlight those words, until I went. Until I went. To get your heart from hard to soft requires action. Requires action. Asaph, he actually got up out of his seat and took some steps and went into the sanctuary. He went to be with the Lord. He understood that I needed to put myself in the right position so that God would work in my life. Right? If your heart is hard here this morning, you need to step up and, and actually make some change. They head in a new direction. You may be like, well, well, what direction? And I've tried that before. Hasn't really worked out for me. What do I do? Here's the biggest thing. I think the most important thing as Christ followers that we need to become experts in. I think it's something that we're not very good at, to be quite honest with you. And that is we need to become experts at preaching the gospel to ourselves. We need to become experts at that. We need to be pros Hey, without question, that is our greatest responsibility as a Christ follower when it comes to change. Become familiar with the gospel. Too many, too many of, of us are simply that. We're familiar with the gospel. We've heard it a million times. It's like white noise, right? But it hasn't gripped our hearts. It hasn't changed us. We haven't learned how to take that from being just something out there that I kind of look at on Sundays when I hear Pastor Paul preach and actually apply that to my heart in a way that changes me. We need to learn how to apply the gospel. The gospel applied reminds us of what's true. Right? It, it reminds us of, of the fact that, that God is good. Right? And, and that he loves me. And that he's invited me into his family, which is an amazing benefit, honor, joy to me. Right? It helps me identify the lie that's in my heart, in my mind, that I think I need more to be satisfied. Right? The gospel, the truth of the gospel applied, satisfies us. So we realize what well, Jesus is everything I want. He's everything I need. I've got him. I don't need to chase after these idols. 
I don't need to be so angry when something doesn't go my way. The gospel shows me that it doesn't, it never guarantees that things are going to go my way. So why am I going to get so riled up when they don't? Right? The, the gospel sorts me out. It straightens me up. It makes me thankful instead of always wanting more. The gospel applied creates more desire for God. Some of you, you just want desire. And it's, good, it's a good thing to ask for that. When, when the gospel is gripping you, you're going to want the Lord. You're like, man, this is amazing what he has done for me. I don't deserve this. I, I want holiness. I want to be near him. I want to serve him. I want a soft heart. That's what the gospel applied does. So that's huge. Priority number one for you. Identify what your areas are in your life and think, how does the gospel counteract those things? The truth of the gospel. Right? You may be, well, what, what, are, what are some other things I can do? I'm going to start working on that. What are some other things I'm going to do? Well, it kind of depends on, you know, what your issues are. But I mean, some of the change that we need to make, it's not that difficult. It should be pretty obvious. Right? Like for, for some of us in this room, porn is the issue. That's the thing deadening your heart. And it's dragging you down. Well, what's something I can do to get out of this? Maybe get rid of the computer. Right? Get rid of the smartphone. Go back to the flip phones. Right? I heard those are making a comeback. Right? If you can't handle it, is it worth your soul? Just so that you have the newest iPhone. Think about that. Get rid of the thing. Get rid of it. That might be an issue for you. Maybe it's laziness. Laziness is the thing that's just kind of making my heart hard. You know, I sense kind of this, this crusty layer around it. And I never want to do anything. And I just want to lay around all the time and... and you love your downtime too much and all you're thinking about even now is I can't wait to, you know, to this afternoon. I get to sit back and do nothing. All right? Some of that's good. But if you're lazy, what, what should you do? I don't know. Like put, put, put away the thing that makes you lazy. Put away the video games. Right? Get off the couch. Go do something. Start serving in a ministry midweek. Get you going in the right direction that way. You'll see the Lord start to soften your heart that way. Maybe anger has got your heart all tied up in knots. It's anger for you. You know, what, what can I do? Start talking to somebody about it. Start talking. Don't pretend that it's not a big deal. Okay, don't brag about the fact that, that you got in someone's face this week about something. And how tough you are or whatever. No, it's wrong. Talk to somebody who can actually help you. Someone who can give you some advice, take you to scripture, hold you accountable, help you work through the heart issues that are there and apply the gospel to that. Maybe for you it's stuff. You're so caught up in consumerism. Did we just come out of that phase in our culture? Absolutely. We actually never really come out of it, do we? I always want the newest thing and I'm constantly spending my money on this and that. I'm always in the mall all the time and my credit card's maxed and I'm online shopping all the time and that's all I want. That's, that's where my affections go. Your heart's hard because of it. Stop going to the mall, right? Stop going online and buying stuff. Cut up the credit card, right? These are simply, should be simple and obvious things. I get that they have ties to our heart and they're difficult, but do them, do them. Okay, the point here is to, is to prayerfully, that's a really important part, prayerfully 
Make a commitment to put some changes into effect in your life. You have the opportunity to, to wipe the slate clean here and, and act on some change and get 2015 off to a great start. Right? Why wait? Right? You're never going to regret giving Christ your all. Right? You're not, you're not going to get to the end of your life and be like, man, I, you know, I went a little too hard for the Lord. And I wish I'd mailed it in a little more. Right? No one's saying that ever. Start now. Don't wait till next year. Okay, here's the last thing I want to do, or we need to do when my heart is hard. Okay, heads up. Heads up, because transformation's coming. Transformation is coming. Okay, the Lord, he, he wants to show up in power and glory. He wants to make you new. He wants to bring you up out of this funk that you're in. And we see that happen time and time again, all through scripture, right? God meeting people where they're at in their hard-heartedness and in their sin and changing them, right? Moses, David, right? The list goes on. We could go on forever. It happens here to Asaph. Take a look at verse 18 here. Watch how this just unfolds. It's incredible. It says, truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. Oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. What's he talking about here? He's starting to realize now that, wait a second, the, the, the wicked, they don't, they don't have it so good. right? The Lord is a just God and he, and he is going to deal with all of that. He's going to take care of it. You start to see even there, the, the heart's starting to change. No longer do I want what they've got. I'm realizing it's not good. God's coming after them here. And look at verse 21 now. This is great. When my soul was embittered. When my soul was embittered. What's that mean? It's not anymore. Right? It's not anymore. It's changing. When I was pricked in heart. Pricked in heart. It's talking about conviction. I had conviction about the sin in my life and the hardness of my heart. And God did that. He worked in me. He challenged me. He's talking about something that happened in the past and he's, he's describing the change that happened. Look at this, verse 22. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. He's confessing his sin to the Lord. He's like, I wasn't looking at this right. I know my perspective was all out of whack. And then look at this, verse 23. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. Isn't that the amazing grace of God? God didn't reject him in all of that. He doesn't reject us in our sin. He works with us. He forgives us. He says, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, this is amazing, you will receive me to glory. Right? How screwed up was his perspective before? Very. How incredible is his perspective now? Right? It's eternal. He's got the eternal perspective. He's starting to think about glory. He's got his eyes on the Lord. He's thinking about eternity. He's going to make some decisions now based on that, not based on the temporal He's like, it's willing to go through the hard stuff. It's willing to have my heart go from hard to soft. Because it affects eternity. Now verse 25, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Huge change. Huge change. The guy goes from totally jaded Right? Envious of the arrogant, it says, to the complete opposite. Right? He just wants God more than anything now. 
It's like, there's nothing I want more than you. Right? That, right? That's a transformed heart. That's what it is. Now verse 26, jump over to that. He says, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Great verse. And you see, now he's thinking straight. Right now he gets it. He's been humbled. He realizes the importance of, of guarding his heart and protecting it from going off the rails. And he's aware of how fickle it can be. And it might fail. It will fail. Absolutely. But if it's going to be in a good place, it needs to be in the strength of the Lord. God is his strength now. He understands that. He gets it. He's moving forward in that truth, in that knowledge. Now verse 28. But for me, it is good to be near God. What a verse. What a verse. Another translation says, the nearness of God is my good. The nearness of God is my good. I love that. He says, I have made the Lord God my refuge. That's where I'm running to now, that I may tell of all of your works. Listen, soft hearts crave closeness to God. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Do I, just, do I want to be near the Lord? Is my heart soft? Or I, just, I desire to be in his presence. I, want, I, I invite him into the ugly places in my life. I want to be near him because that's what's good for me. Is that what you want? Not just asking him for a million things and Lord, make my life better and all of that. Just Lord, give me you. Give me you. That's what we see here in the transformation of, of Asaph. You want that? Now, some of you are here today and you need to know that, that Jesus Christ wants to make you new. He really does. He wants to know you personally. He wants to do this work like he's done in Asaph's life, like he's done in so many people's lives sitting here this morning. He wants to do that. He wants to be in a relationship with you. You're going to be like, well, how does that happen? Well, you need to understand something. And, and this is not an easy truth, but it is the truth. And that is that you have sin in your life. You have sin in your life. We all do. Okay? No one's better than another person. We've all got sin. It's, it's messed us up. It's created a divide between us and God. We cannot be in a relationship with him unless that's taken care of. Like, well, how do I do that? Do I behave well? Do I try and be really good? I'm going to come to church every weekend. Listen, none of the behavior thing will fix that gap. None of it. Only Jesus can. That's why he went to the cross for you. He took the punishment for you on himself. The wrath of God poured out, punishing sin once and for all on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have new life, so that you could be transformed. It comes down to confessing your sin to God. Just admit it to him. God, I'm a sinner. And ask him to be your savior. Done. You're saved. It's not that complicated. It's really understanding what's at stake here. And that's your eternity. And knowing that the Lord wants to, to wipe away the darkness, wipe away the sin and the shame, and start to heal you and change you, and make you new. Now, those of you who are in a relationship with Christ already, you going after a soft heart today? You going to go after that? You going to be ruthless about it? You going to face your sin? You going to take care of what needs to be taken care of? What I'm going to have right now is the worship team uh, come on out. 
We're gonna have an opportunity just for a couple of minutes here to respond to this here today. To respond. You know, just you quietly, silently, as the music plays a little bit, start to sort through these sin issues. Make a commitment to dealing with that before the Lord. Lord, I want a soft heart. I'm done with the hardness. I'm done with the bitterness. I want to be able to forgive. Lord, would you show me? Lord, I want this year to be a good one. I don't want to waste any more time. So why don't you go ahead and do that now? Take a few moments on your own. Seek the Lord. we confess that we are weak people whose hearts are so fickle, Lord. We are in desperate need of your grace. We're in desperate need of your touch to transform us, to make us new, to soften us. God, I pray that you would have great mercy on people this morning who are just honestly, humbly crying out to you right now. Lord, do a great work. Change us, Lord. Make us like you. Lord, make us just crave to be near you. Desire it, Lord, as Asaph did. Lord, bring glory to your name through us. Lord, I pray that people would see the transformation in our lives and wonder what is going on with that person. I pray that we would tell of all of your great works. I pray that we would point it all to Jesus Christ. Lord, you get the glory, not us. It's all about you. It's about the fame of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.